This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. How are you? You having a good day so far? Another day. Another dollar. Another day, unless you're Donald Trump. You ready for a Trump date? Have you had enough of Donald lately? I can't let this one go. It's just right there. Hey, uh, you might remember that he made a comment. The Donald made a comment while I believe in Iowa saying, you know, it turned out, you know, people know I'm rich, but, uh, you know, it turned out I'm much richer than anyone knew. Then he claimed, I'm actually worth more than $10 billion. That's basically what he said after he released his net worth as of June 30th, 2014, which calculated his fortune at $8.7 billion, including $3.3 billion for the value of his name. What is your name worth? My name, $6. $6 and some chips, if you're buying a combo meal. Uh, But here's what they found out. According to Bloomberg's Billionaire Index, the latest math on Trump, his net worth, $2.9 billion. He's inflated it. (laughs) He overinflated his worth. Donald Trump is worth $2.9 billion. By the way, not to be laughed at, right? That's uh, that's about $2.9 billion more than I have. But overinflated, apparently according to a 92-page personal financial disclosure that he, uh, that they, that Bl- Bloomberg Billionaire Index has uh, reviewed, his, his worth is really $2.9 billion. His name, who knows what it's actually worth. He claimed it's worth $3.3 billion. Here's the irony. Hillary Clinton's worth somewhere like $5 million to $25 million, apparently, but her net worth is actually $75 billion. She just claims it's $25 million. <laughs> Who do you believe anymore? What we need are some poor, really poor, poor, no-money candidates. Wouldn't that be great to see? Somebody with no money that builds a coalition, raises a lot of money, just but he's there, he has no money, or she has no money. Wouldn't that be fantastic? <sighs> Never happened. Never going to happen. By the way, uh, President uh, Obama is in Africa, shaking up Africa. You know, whether you love or, or, or not this great president of ours, he's over there shaking the trees and basically saying he's taken on all of their issues. We need to treat women better, he's saying. We basically need to, you know, only, only serve a few terms. And he talked about how, based on our Constitution, he can only serve two terms. He thinks he could win a third term. And the minute he said that, Hillary's like, what? And then they reminded her that you can't run again. But he's shaking it up over there. And apparently, some of the people over in Africa, they, you know, they'll, they'll carry their, their position for life. And so everybody cheered when he said that. Yay! Anyway, isn't it crazy? He's, he's representing you. And I think it's pretty neat in a way that we're shaking it up a bit. It's been a really interesting day of news. First female coach in the NFL. Man, I don't want to steal all the news, but man, 
Kathy's over there like, quiet, man, quiet. These are all mine. Anyway, let's go to Kathy Aiken and find out what's in the headlines. The Obama administration will try again today to sell the Iran nuclear deal to Congress. Three cabinet secretaries are expected to face tough questioning from both sides in a hearing this morning. Ed Royce, GOP chairman of the House Foreign Relations Committee, said yesterday the agreement has several shortcomings. During his address at the African Union headquarters this morning, President Obama pledged to help raise 50 million Africans out of poverty. That's the equivalent of 5% of Africa's population. The president said many Africans live in such poverty that it's an assault on human dignity. During that same address, President Obama said he thinks he's, quote, a pretty good president. He also said if the Constitution allowed him to run for a third time, he believes he'd win. Obama added that someone with fresh blood will be good for the country, and he's looking forward to life after his presidency. The Boy Scouts of America ended its ban on gay adult leaders yesterday. The new ruling will, however, also allow church-sponsored scout units to maintain their exclusion of gay leaders due to religious reasons. BSA National President Robert Gates talked about the change. For far too long, this issue has divided and distracted us. Now it's time to unite behind our shared belief in the extraordinary power of scouting to be a force for good in a community and in the lives of its youth members. The new policy goes into effect immediately. The Coast Guard continues its search of the two missing teenage boys off the coast of Florida. The two boys were last seen Friday, and their capsized boat was found on Sunday. Officials said this morning that the search area remains 50 miles off the coast of Jacksonville and stretched as far north to Savannah, Georgia, and south to Cape Canaveral. The teens' families are asking people to search the shore for debris that may provide clues to their disappearance. The body of an 8-year-old girl was found in a dump in Santa Cruz, California last night. Madison Middleton vanished Sunday afternoon while riding her scooter near the Tannery Arts Center where she and her mother lived. The 15, a 15-year-old boy living in the same complex has been arrested on suspicion of her murder. The Arizona Cardinals have made history by hiring the first female coach in NFL history. Jen Welter will work with inside linebackers as a training camp intern during the preseason. Welter played rugby at Boston College and 14 seasons in a Women's Pro Football League. She was also the first woman to play a non-kicking position in a men's professional football league. Sticking with sports, Gilbert Arenas, a former NBA player, says he was banned from the basketball hoops game at the Orange County Fair over the weekend. Apparently, Matt, he won just too many prizes. Really? Yeah. The rule is a player can take home just one prize per day at each game, but a photo from his Instagram page Shows Arenas won about 20. <laughs> Officials of the fair say Mr. Arenas is welcome back anytime, and that includes the basketball game. Holy I mean, cow. come on. The guy's worth millions, and he's yeah. over there taking Stealing all the little, all you the know, little, little stuff toys down. from the little boys that are really <laughs> envious. But you know what? It's, I do the same thing. Yeah, I you know just, you win those all the time. Well, yeah. But have you ever played some of those, like where you throw the ball yeah. and try to knock over the... The, the the milk metal, bottles yeah, uh-huh. and like the ball bounces twenty feet behind you. <laughs> you hit that. You hit it and it, doesn't it didn't do even anything. budge. The yeah, bottles. I think they're stuck. They're glued down. What do you think about this uh, NFL coach? Well, Jen Welter. Yeah, say she's only an intern. It'll be interesting if they give her a little more expanded duty. You know, but the San Antonio Spurs have a female right. assistant coach, right. and she helped them win the the, the, uh, the rookie Summer season. Yeah. yeah, so. You know, I think there's lots of coaches there's She's that have never played in the NFL. The inside so. linebacker coach. I yeah, mean, like when you, you think of the meanest yeah, people yeah, on the field, yeah. it's the inside linebacker. I know. I know. I, that kind of took me back a little bit. I was thinking maybe receivers or something. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, something with yeah. like, yeah, where, where there's a delicate like touch, like... <laughs> 
But no, she's and she's a tough cookie though. Yes, she's, she is. Um, what was it? Played fourteen seasons in a women's pro league. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good cool. for her. Isn't yeah, cool? breaking down some barriers. Hey, I got one for you. I got a okay. question. Um, do you know? So scientists have discovered a new taste. Mm-hmm. So there are six. They were always known to have four basic tastes: sour, sweet, salty, bitter. Okay. Then the Japanese came up with a chemist discovered a fifth basic taste, umami, which is triggered by monosodium glutamate or MSG. It's kind of more of just a savory taste. Mm-hmm. The new one, guess what it is? Oh. I don't know. Fat. That's the new taste? Mm-hmm. Is fat. My what favorite. about bland? Wouldn't, shouldn't bland be in there? That's a taste. That's bland. Well, um, I don't think. Salty, bland? No. No. Bland is not – God not never intended bland. <laughs> bland is an accident that just happens to some cooks. So fat. Fat. The taste of fat. The taste of fat. So when you have in, that in, first in, bite in of where pizza. where did you say? Uh, in Japan? No, no. So th- th- what they're trying to do is they're basically trying to solidify that there's six basic tastes. And, and one of the reasons why we like certain things is because of the taste. Oh, yeah. So when you have that first bite of pizza. Oh, yeah. What you might be tasting – is the fat. Oh, that grease when it drips down. Or that bite of a hamburger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or your hot dog. Or a hot what dog. What is the day today? You always have a day. What is today? Today is uh, milk chocolate day. Ooh, yay. It's a good I love day. milk chocolate much more than dark chocolate. Do you see? And some people are just so big into the dark chocolate. Yeah. I don't care. That's too, just give me chocolate. chocolate. Is, some of it's too bitter. We talk yeah. about taste is bitter for me. I love milk see, chocolate. See, bitter is a taste. Yep. So is fat, and I've just discovered it's my favorite taste. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, unfortunately. <laughs> I could just – they just need to have little fat pellets. I guess they just already like do. Little, yeah, Cheetos. They do, That's a sure. Cheeto. <laughs> Is that a Cheeto? They melt in your mouth? That could be a Cheeto. But yeah. Fat. So there's six. So if anybody ever says, you know. Oh, you know what? No. What are those? Taste? What are those like beef jerky sticks? That is complete oh. fat. When you bite into that and it's – Slim Jim. There you go. Mm. That's just total fat, I think. But you know, a Slim Jim is the perfect food. Is it? Portable, <laughs> easily accessed. That's your fat palette. You right can there. sneak it in your suit pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that is your fat. That's your fat stick. Fat stick. Anyway, cool. So take that to the bank when you go out today, everybody. Five, six basic tastes sour, sweet, salty, bitter, savory. You know, you might taste that MSG savory that uh, taste that's in. Truffles, meat, anchovies. And now scientists say fat. Mm. Don't say you don't learn anything because on this show we bring you everything you need to know. So when you go to you know your restaurant today and you're looking for something and you're like, gosh, I don't know what it is. I just want something fat. Something that tastes like fat. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll be joined by Dr. David Myers, a good friend of ours, and he's going to be walking us through, you know, your summer skin care, how to enjoy the sun and the summer, some tips to stay uh, cancer-free and make take care of your skin at the same time. That's up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, summer is here. We're in the middle of it. The sun's just beating down on all of us. 
So how are we supposed to actually take care of our skin during the summer? How do we enjoy the sun, still get out there, get a little sun, and yet uh, make sure that we're, we're still staying, staying safe? When it comes to uh, the sun and some of its harmful effects, joining us today is my good friend, Dr. David Myers. David is a dermatologist, a lecturer, attending physician for the Utah Valley Regional Medical Center Family Medicine Program, and uh, he's he's here today to teach us all things skin-related. Dr. David, welcome, my friend. Thank you, Matt. Glad good. to be Glad to be back. By the way, uh, for further disclosure, David is the buddy that gave me the uh, the Apple Watch that I talk so fondly about. David, you're trying to save me. Love. It's because you want me to lose love. weight, isn't it? Kind of. I didn't want to say that on the on the air. <laughs> on the air, but yeah, you just you just said I'll just give you a watch. Maybe that'll help. Hey, <laughs> good to have you. And uh, I hear you guys are on vacation right now. We are just sitting at We're a up near uh, cabin. Yeah, we're up in a cabin up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So I'm practicing all this stuff that I can I can share with you. So are you are you spraying are you spraying your kids uh, with all of the the different lotions and potions to make sure that they don't burn like little raisins? That's that's I mean not to get to the nitty gritty, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Does it matter? I mean, it seems like. I mean, we know we know we need some type of sunscreen, but what as a doctor, I want the I want the lowdown because if I go down the aisle, I'll see five hundred different sunscreens and types and numbers, and I don't I don't know what I need. So teach me what I really need. All right. So here, so one one in five Americans during their life will get a skin cancer, and you know. My job as a dermatologist is teach people or to prevent that. And if I can do it, you know, when they're kids, you know, because we grew up in a different generation. When, you know, when we were young, we all went out, we got burned, and eventually they turned into a tan, and that was okay. But now we've got knowledge, we've got tools, let's use them. So here's a few good facts. I tell, I t- tell this every day. I say, have fun in the sun, but don't get burned. And I'm not as, I guess, crazy restrictive as some people never get any sun because that's, yeah. that's not reasonable. I want people to get out. I, want them, I don't want them to sit inside and watch Friends episodes. I want them to get out, have fun, be with their kids, and whatever. So, but don't get burned is your advice. I mean, but don't get burned. Don't you get you burned. grew up so, running a river. You grew up being on the river every day, and now you're a dermatologist. <laughs> so you're saying get some sun, but don't get burned. I've seen it, and in fact, I, you'll find this funny, but I went rafting down uh, a section of the Colorado River, and I had all this, I had a long sleeve sun shirt, and I wore pants that day, just these nice drying pants, and I even had, I even, I'm a little crazy when I go down the river, because you're just in this hot, beating sun for yeah. days, so I wear the thing that covers your face, sunglasses, and hands, and gloves. And one of the guys next to me said, so do you have an allergy to the sun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no. you know, I'm a dermatologist. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So say crazy. no more. You're crazy. <laughs> and but I thought, I said, you watch everybody. Everybody's going to get burned to a crisp. And by that night, we were all camping, and everybody was all burned uh, except for me. Yeah. And so, and, and so, it depends. so when I tell people don't get burned, 
they need to know, hey, if if they're of Celtic or Scandinavian or English descent and you have real fair skin, you got to be more diligent than somebody that's got more olive skin and tans a little bit better. Yeah. But here's a few things I do when you know our kids are getting ready to go um, out to the pool or to the beach. You know, put their swimsuits on in the car. My wife will give them a little sunscreen stick, and they'll start applying it. And then I'll put a little bit more right before we get in. So 15 minutes before is ideal. And then right when they get in, you know, or right before, if they can, if you can just make sure they're, you know, well covered, then they're good. Use some protective measures. Use a hat. You know, use a. They have those awesome sun shirts. Yeah. And you know, you just can't. You can't put enough on all day long, especially if they're in and out of the water. So use these other things that these great, you know, advances that we have. Um, a lot of people say, hey, do I need like SPF 70? Do I need SPF 100? In 2011, they they came up with changes. It was like this arms race to the <laughs> highest SPF. And everybody thought higher is better. Huh. Well, they did some studies, studies and showed that those that put on SPF um 70 had this false, you know, thought that they could put on less or that, oh, yeah. that they could stay on longer, Matt. Yeah, they could they, stay out longer on the beach than those that put on SPF 10 or SPF 30. So here's the real facts. SPF 30 blocks, properly applied, SPF 30, which means sun protection factor, blocks 97% of the UVB rays. That's, that's fantastic. That's pretty SPF great. 50, SPF 50 is 98%. SPF um, 100 is 99%. So really, when these new rules get implemented, and they're almost all implemented, you'll only see SPF 30 and SPF 50 plus. Hmm. And that just means that's enough. Well, yeah, and, enough. Then just, and then just remember, don't get burnt and apply and, apply and keep applying it regularly. Exactly, exactly. And so uh, you apply it, you apply again. So if you're in water and stuff, you need to apply again in a couple hours. But I tell people, get the sunscreen you'll like, because if you can have an expensive sunscreen, but you'll never use it. Yeah, so right. There's, gr- there's great stuff out, out there now. There's gels, there's lotions, there's sprays. Do, do you, you know, there's so they're all the same to you, really, just as long as you get a good covering. As long as so, they're, to me, they're all good. It's, all, it's mostly about putting on, well... So here, the, one of the new rules is broad spectrum. Broad spectrum means protecting you from the UVB and the UVA rays. Hmm. Okay. Now, an easy way to remember, what does UVA protect you against? That protects you against age. UVA protects, or the UVA rays age your skin. It gives you wrinkling. It gives you sunspots. UVB burns the skin. So, um, and so a broad spectrum has UVA, UVB. So I tell people... Use whatever you'd like. Get a broad spectrum. It's great if it's water resistant, um, especially if you're doing anything, you know, in water sports. And then um, reapply, uh, for, you know, frequently. Talk to us and about. You, it, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, what is happening? What is the sun doing to us? Is it actually burning us? What's what's happening to our body when we're being sunburned? So, UVA and UVB are energy. Are their you know, their wavelength yeah. of energy, and as they go in through the skin, UVA penetrates a little bit deeper because it's a longer wavelength than UVB. But it basically 
your body to protect its DNA from being damaged from energy, it, um, well, one, it, it causes sunburn. And another thing, over time, it will produce melanin from mel- melanocytes. And those will be little particles of sun-absorbing pigment mm. that kind of, almost like an umbrella, shield the DNA region of the cell. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing that our body can do that. It's protecting DNA. So the sun exactly. is going and killing DNA. Yeah, or it's changing DNA. Changing. And then over time, that can mutate. And then you can get those bad skin cancers down the line. Oh, so that's and where it comes. It, it creates a mutation in, in your DNA. Correct. Holy Correct. cow. And yeah, it's a, it's a carcinogen. It, but if you smell, like, you mean you should get out of the sun. Just correct me if I'm wrong. You should get out of the sun if you smell flesh burning. <laughs> Are you with me on that, David? I'm with you. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, I mean, but back in the day, we used to like based each other up like oh we would you know what i mean we'd put actually suntan oils on oils some people even put iodine There's, i never s- did it but i've i've patient after patient said oh yeah we used, we used to put to go out there and just roast <laughs> it was so bad so bad matt like a turkey and, and yet here better. here we sit yeah we we should know better you would think but you're basically saying if we just get a 30 to 50 spf um, and apply it, you know, liberally. Get it on there, and and then reapply it regularly, with the goal of no sunburn. We we're pretty safe. That's that's a fantastic summary. Yes. See, I should have been a dermatologist. <laughs> no. it's, it's at least at that part, it's that easy. But and, and, and use and use other sun sun protection measures. Yeah, like hats, and you don't need to look like you're wearing a burqa. <laughs> And all of these other clothes. I mean, you wore a shirt. You wear a hat. But especially if you've got really sensitive or, or fair skin, take even more precautions. Yeah, noons. Avoid the noonday sun. Uh, you know when it's just when it's just out there strong. Um, you know, avoid tanning beds. Of course, um, use extra caution when you're near water, snow, or sand because those reflect it. Oh yeah. Um, and. And then the one last thing is I tell everybody, check your birthday suit on your birthday. And, you know, if you have any weird, you know, funky moles or something that's, that doesn't look right, then come in and, or, you know, seek a doctor to just check that yeah, out. Yeah, a little birthday a, suit, a good... uh, you know, review. Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, again, we're speaking with Dr. David Myers. Uh, he's a dermatologist uh, and attending physician for the Utah Valley Regional Medical Center family medicine program. He also has his own website. Uh, you got to go check out uvderm.com, uvderm.com, where you can find out about uh, his services and what his, he's doing. We'll take a break, come back, continue this discussion about uh, your skin care and what you actually need. A lot of times we're marketed a bunch of stuff we may not need. We're going to ask the good doctor what actually matters for good skin care. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us uh, from his resort location at a beachfront property, Dr. David Myers is joining us. He is our uh, resident dermatologist. We shouldn't say resident because that makes it sound like he is our favorite dermatologist and doctor uh, of the Matt Townsend Show. He's teaching us about how to have a great summer, how to hang out in the sun, and yet uh, still make sure that you're safe. Uh, David, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, sir. Just hanging out at the beachfront property of the old cabin. That's right. Love it. It's a good life. But see, so basically the the advice we've been given so far, don't burn, A. It's funny, uh, in our last uh, bit together, you were talking about don't go out in the noonday sun. That's when... That's when they're the strongest or whatever. But I used to remember that, you know, my the women in my life wouldn't go out until it was like 11. We needed the right sun, <laughs> right? And then they'd go from the, the the high peak of the sun time, 11 to 2 or 3 or whatever. And then that's where you'd smell flesh burning. Flip over every 30 minutes. That's right. Just get, get, get crispy. Apply Woo. some butter. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. I, and I'm seeing all those patients now. And I bet. Doing and taking care of. Skin cancers and aging, so not so, good. So we really just need to make sure we get a, an, either an SPF 30 or 50 plus, which uh, blocks 97 to 98 percent of the UVA rays, which are attributed to aging. UVB is attributed to burning. I guess uh, does every uh, does every lotion that we apply, every sunscreen we apply, basically hit the broad spectrum of both UVA and UVB? They're getting much better okay. um, with these rule changes. They've, they've they've tried to make it so much more transparent. You can't use the word sunblock. You have to use sunscreen. You can't use waterproof or sweatproof. You can use water resistant, hmm. either 40 minutes or 80 minutes. They've got all these rules. I mean, that's smart. We're finally kind of tightening down on this. Exactly. So broad spectrum is probably the best summary I can give people. And most of them really are broad spectrum. Okay. In the 30s, great. Now, Matt, if I'm like just doing a little, getting a little sun, walking to and, you know, to and from work or, you know, not in the sun yeah. that long, I'll, I'll use a 15 or 20 that's in this thin lotion. I went on Amazon, put men's lotion, and I just found the best one, and I like it. It doesn't, you know, sting my eyes. And so it's not that you always have to be 30, but for overall, you know, recommendations, that's a great recommendation. But there's sometimes then I use it when I'm not getting much sun, I'll use the you know, the SPS 15, and that's fine. But you know what's funny about you, David, that as a dermatologist that many don't get is you can, it's f just even like sitting down with you, talking to you, you're look, you're checking my face out. <laughs> in your head, you're like, okay, yeah, there's there's a whatever and a whatever. Oh, and now we got to fix this. And But so you must die when you see people like at a pool that are actually trying to get sunburned. Does that just bug you? Yeah, I, I've got a problem. And, yeah, if I, I see stuff so much, I'm like, you know, when someone comes in just burned as can be or just black, you know, tanned. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, I, I, so since I see the bad stuff from these and the stuff that comes down the line, that's why I kind of grit my teeth and I'm like, oh, geez, we yeah. can do better than this. Yeah. So. I think public education's better. There's sunscreen laws that are coming into place. Forty-two states have these some uh, sun tanning law. You know, uh, tanning bed. Excuse me, a tanning bed law. 
you know, restricting use, access to a known carcinogen. And so we're getting better. Hmm. We're certainly getting better. Is there any real reason we need to go to a tanning bed? I mean, besides, there's a few medical conditions that really it can help out psoriasis, for example, and a few other, you know, more specific things. But, you know, my wife, before we, you know, we go on a big trip and we're going on a cruise. Yeah. Which is pretty rare. But she's like, can I go tanning? I'm like, you know, (laughs) if someone goes once or twice before one of these trips and that's about all they do. I mean, that's that's better than most. Yeah. But a lot of people, they did this big study, and they found that almost 50% of campuses, off-campus housing, had a tanning bed within this, you know, apartment complex oh, wow. that was included in the rent. So it's just, it's too prominent. And when I see melanomas in, you know, which is a horrible skin cancer, a person dies of melanoma every hour mm. in the United States. You know, and I I had to take one off of the, the general region of a of a 21 year old woman, and I'm like, we we got to do better with this. Yeah. So uh, I think the restrictions are a good thing. What What do you think about these people? I I just read an article about people that are actually putting art on their body. They use sunscreen or they use some type of like pattern, and they put it over their skin. And then they let they get burnt, and then that creates supposed artwork on yeah, their on their I, body. What's your take on that? Other than I, they're crazy. I, yeah. Well, I saw that. I saw those pictures, and <laughs> you're right. Either the art is from the sunburn because they put the really strong sunscreen on the other ones, and then just went and fried themselves in a tanning bed. Yeah. Or the, vice versa. Uh, you know they. But both both are bad. You know, both sunburn, suntan, it's DNA damage to the skin cells, which eventually leads to skin cancer. So I I wouldn't recommend that type of art, but yeah. I've seen that. Isn't it interesting? I mean, there's tattooing. That's one thing. That's permanent. But this is just as permanent in a way because it's, it's a carcin. It's cancer-causing. Yeah. In the long term, Absolutely. Talk to us about um, other things. So I walk down the aisle at some supermarket, and I see every type of lotion and potion and what I need. What does just the average healthy person need to do for their skin kind of day in and day out? How how often – I always hear we're shampooing too much. We're using too many chemicals on our bodies. What does our body really need, and what doesn't it need? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great question. Every, since everybody's different, you know, your needs is different from mine, right. different from some of my patients or my kids or, or where we live. So, um, you know, so if, if you live in a, if you live in a humid climate versus dry climate, if your skin, if you have, if you're more eczema cr- prone, if you're older, our skin dries out more, hmm. um, and thus. Uh, if you are in a humid place or it's winter when it's real dry and the heaters kick on yeah. and the dry air dries out your skin. So I guess good summaries are after after a shower, you know, or bath, you know, trap in the moisture. I tell people before the mist leaves the mirror, just get some lotion and, and put that on. And really any of the main brands are 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 usually fine. If you're more dry, 
get the thicker stuff, get the extra moisturizing or ultra moisturizing. Um, if you're not too bad, then you don't need as much. Um, there is facial lotion for this for the face that doesn't have as many oils and mm-hmm. probably won't cause acne. Um, but it, it, you know, shampooing. Of course, if you have more dandruff, you know, I love dandruff shampoos. Um, most people we don't leave them on long enough. You know, we put it on and we're washing it off within 10 seconds or 15 yeah. seconds. And so I tell people, you know, if you've got dandruff, try different dandruff shampoos. Leave it on. Leave the suds on for two minutes is great. Five minutes is fantastic. And and I think it would help more. But yeah. It's interesting because they are – these are medicated in a way and we don't even know how to use them right. No. We, we throw those on. I mean, think about how quick we are shampooing our hair. Yeah. I think females are better than males, but most most people come in and say dandruff shampoos just barely work. They just and don't work. By by switching that little thing and just leaving on the you know that that selenium sulfide or whatever the product is, uh, zinc pyrethone within the the medicated shampoo that can, you know that can usually make a difference. That's cool. What uh, what else do we need to worry about when you think of it as as an expert? Uh, is, is there something that we miss? You know, when it comes to our skin care, that's just a no brainer. Well, the big things that I hear are vitamin D. You know, you go to the sun, you get the you need the sun for vitamin D. Vitamin D, um, which you need to help process and absorb calcium and phosphorus and for healthy bones and stuff like that. Is, is very good, but we get enough vitamin D in, I think it's four minutes of noonday sun. So mm. one thing is don't think you need tons of sun to get vitamin D. Um, another thing that I, I think that we miss is, um, you know, basically the these monitoring of, of your own skin, at least knowing your skin so that if you do see something, you can you know, at least point it out or see if it's changing or whatnot. Um, and, and a great a great bit of advice you gave us last uh, segment was birthday birthdays, check your birthday suit. Check, check go birthday go in, that, that, figure it out. That's a way that's a way to remember. And then the last thing that I'll kind of dispel on this topic is sunscreen safety. I, I've had more and more people say that, you know, They'll take out some individual ingredients out of this one sunscreen and that when fed in huge numbers to or huge concentrations to mice or something can can be a carcinogen. That can be almost anything. Mm -hmm. They've never shown that any sunscreen product of the main of the main sunscreens absolutely causes cancer. So and they show over and over and over that people that don't use it you know, look at the epidemic of skin cancer in Australia mm. and the changes that they've made, um, that sunscreens are safe. So really, sunscreens are safe. Um, use major brands, broad spectrum, 30 SPF. Use them. Don't get burned. I think that's that's, that's great, great advice. advice. And, and you'll have a leg up on most people if you do those. That's right. And then maybe just – I'd just suggest go see a dermatologist – once in a while, just to get clear, get 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 noticed, make sure that you're because you could have a mole on your back or on your neck that you're not even looking at. So let the pros in. Yeah, 
you bet. Any concerns, happy to help. You're awesome. Well, David Myers, we appreciate you, my friend. Keep up the great work. Make sure you use sunscreen on Carolyn and all the kids. Make sure everyone's safe over there. Thank you, David. Uh, great, uh, great advice. And again, we want to have a fun summer. It doesn't mean you can't. You just got to go sit in your cabin. Get out there. But be careful. Protect yourself. Sunburn. Let's try to avoid it, my friends. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, we know to take care of ourselves from the sun, right? Now we know. We've learned from Dr. Myers what we need to do. Cover up, right? But what do you do if uh, the the potential cancer-causing entity is your spouse? Have you ever met somebody that was so negative? Ugh. You just felt like they were just killing you. So negativity, it's a big deal. And I believe a lot of us that are negative, we don't even know we are. So I'm going to run you through a quick test. Are you a negative person? 15 signs of negative people that was put together by Robert Locke on the website lifehack.org. 15 signs that uh, you're, you're a negative person. Are you ready? And run through and think it through. Because uh, the research actually shows that in order to erase a a negative, you need four positives to erase a negative. So you might be causing emotional cancer to the people around you. You're like the sun, just slowly burning people. Here we go. Negative people always worry. Do you voice a lot of your worries? Uh. Anna Monar said, whatever's going to happen will happen, whether we worry about it or not. But the negative person is constantly worrying about what might happen. What about this? What about this? What about this? Okay. Do you tend to worry a lot? Do you try to tell people what to do? Are you bossy? Are you trying to like maneuver the world so that you know you get the world in the nice, simple package you'd like it? Negative people tend to try to push their agendas pretty hard. They also live in a default position. The default position is simply, you know, it's better to assume the worst, right? Negative, it kind of goes back to our fight or flight brain, which is an alarm system. And so if you always predict and your default is always to be negative, then the fight or flight always works for you. You know, you should try to avoid those people. You should leave the party early. You should notice how boring and unfun it is so you don't risk, right? Do you tend to live in the negative default position? Is everything end up going there? Do you enjoy secrecy? Do you have a lot of secrets, private things that you don't let out into the world? You don't show a lot of good stuff because, you know, you don't want people to beat it down. Negative people tend to enjoy a lot of secrets. They tend to be pessimistic, obviously. They're, uh, they're more happy predicting a bad thing happening. For example, oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be cloudy. Sure, it's, we're on the way to the beach, and it's going to be cloudy. Never mind the fact the last three days that it, you started with clouds. 
they always kind of dissipated. You didn't notice that. You just noticed that the clouds are going to ruin your day. Negative people tend to limit their exposure uh, uh, to life, you know, so they hide away. They have very, very thin skin. If you say something to a negative person, they might blow up very quickly. If you blow up quickly, maybe you are a negative person. Research has shown that media exposure to violence, death, and tragedy contributes to depression, anxiety, as well as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. It colors the negative person's outlook on life. Negative people love coming into your cubicle and saying things like, have you heard the terrible news about, did you see this crazy situation where people were killed? And uh, No, I didn't, but thanks for sharing it. Uh, negative people tend to complain a lot. Are you a complainer? Do you complain about life, your energy, whatever, how horrible things are, politics? Negative people never move outside their comfort zone. They don't want to do anything that's not fun, that's not easy, that makes them move, that demands some energy or some some movement. Are you one that just stays in your comfort zone? If you can't go to your restaurant, do you throw a fit? If you can't order what you want because they're out of it, do you get mad? Negative people uh, love the word but. Yeah, it's great, but, and then they share the negative side. Again, we're talking about the 15 signs negative people of negative people by Robert Locke on lifehack.org. They love to throw that but in there. Yeah, sure, life's great now, but, you know. School starts in a month. Yeah, it's great now, but, you know, the economy, who knows if it's going to work. Do you use that mentality a lot? Uh, Negative people tend to be underachievers. That lack of success, you know, might be there because they're negative. But it also might simply be there because it's a technique to not ever have to risk, to not ever be exposed, to not ever have to reach out and be something better. Uh, negative people never get excited about the future. They tend to mitigate the future. They minimize its potential. You know, it's better to stay in the dark, stay in the dark tunnel. But you also, negative uh, people, you could become a vampire, really sucking attention and time and focus and energy out of the people around you. One of the best ways to know if you're a negative person is is it hard for you to find people to hang out with? Do people avoid you like the plague? It's kind of scary. If you're a vampire, you might be because a lot of people don't want to be around you, right? You're too hard to deal with. Negative people miss out on a lot of good things of life. You might notice the very most positive moments of life. They're not there. They've kind of hidden away. Do you notice you're missing your most important moments of life? I'm going to go to the store right now in the middle of your family's party. Yeah, I got to run and get that barbecue sauce. Okay, because we've got to have barbecue sauce right now. Last but not least, negative people uh, tend to put a negative spin even on good news. Well, sure, she's cancer-free now, but, you know, it could come back. Wow. Great. Are you a negative person? Because if you are, guess what? You, um, you, you might be taking it out on the people around you. And if you are with somebody that's negative, remember that whatever they're spewing – is more a reflection of them than you. This isn't, this is them. This is not you. And just because they're spewing it doesn't mean you need to take it. 
So one of the things you might want to just watch out for is very simply don't turn over your self-worth, your self-identity to the most negative person in the room. Don't let them lead your emotion. Even point it out. Oh, there you go again. Laugh at it. Make fun. Have fun with it. Talk to them about it and still be positive. The benefit of just being positive is you're going to feel better, even if everybody else You know, if this other person is going to feel negative, they can feel that. But that doesn't mean it has to influence you that way. Negative people, folks, it's a big cancer. And uh, I don't want you to just, you know, be naively happy. But I do want you to own your own identity, your own sense of happiness, your own sense of worth. That's the coach's corner, folks. Don't be a negative Nelly. Come on. We'll take a break. Come back next hour. More tools, more ideas right here on the Matt Townsend Show to help you find the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Hey, today we got a great uh, guest coming on in just a few minutes. Dr. Billy Gordon will be joining us. And uh, we're going to be talking about negotiating your true worth. What? What does that mean? Uh, On Psychology Today, he wrote a, a wonderful article about negotiating your true worth. A lot of us, we get confused about what really makes us valuable and and where our worth should come from. And with the new kind of social age, social media world, we, we kind of lose our identity, and not even just social media. We think our worth is based in our occupation, our looks, our money, but those are all socially constructed you know, metrics for where your worth comes from. And uh, he's going to teach us instead where uh, truly we become motivated and where our heart is, is where we need to make sure our, our worth is placed. It's a, it's a pretty powerful argument he's going to be giving us and uh, also including in that a lot of uh, information from the Center for Neurobiology of Stress at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. He is an expert in behavior and obesity and um, is going to get into uh, your true worth. A lot of times we throw you know social media under the bus for this because it causes so many we think of our problems. But there's a great story recently – Uh, in the news about how Facebook helped save the life of a man with a disability after his incoherent post caught his friend's attention. It's such a great story. Chris Thomas is a 28-year-old Pittsburgh man, and he'll always remember July 15th as the day Facebook came to the rescue. On that day, Thomas, an Army veteran and self-described political nerd who has a limb girdle muscular um, muscular dystrophy, he fell from his wheelchair that he uses for mobility, And he told the Huffington Post that he was attempting to get to the bathroom when his wheelchair caught the edge of a tall box that was just inside the bedroom. And the heavy shelf in the box landed on his legs and tipped the wheelchair over. He hit the back of his head hard on the linoleum. And when he tried to push up, he hit his head a second time. Thomas remembers little of the next hour as he slipped in and out of consciousness. He said, I screamed for help a few times. But I live at the end of the hall in an assisted living facility for the elderly and disabled, and nobody could hear me. He couldn't hit his alarm because it was too far away from him. Anyway, 
I would uh, black out and would then wake up and slip in and out of consciousness, he said. But while uh, the ability to get back in his chair or bed eluded him, he could reach his smartphone, which had been left open to the Facebook app. app. So he posted this, this statement. He said, I need heckle me's please and then a bunch of numbers crazy and he sent that out over facebook and one of his friends saw it um and called they called the emts and found out that he was on the floor went over to visit him boom saved his life facebook it's a cool deal again you know something that we never would have thought about 20 years ago that Facebook would be saving lives, that we'd even have internet, that we'd have all of these other tools, this, these other ways of communicating. Crazy stuff. But also, as we're going to find out a little bit later, it might be impacting your sense of self-worth because do you have a lot of friends that like what you say or not? It may not be about all your likes anyway. Anyway, interesting stuff coming up on the show today. Stick with us. But before we go there, let's get to our headlines and Kathy Aiken. The governing body of the Boy Scouts of America yesterday voted to end its ban on gay adult leaders. The board came to the conclusion saying the policy was no longer legally defensible. Local scouting units, however, will still be able to maintain their exclusion due to religious reasons. Here's BSA National President Robert Gates. For far too long, this issue has divided and distracted us. Now it's time to unite behind our shared belief and the extraordinary power of scouting to be a force for good in a community and in the lives of its youth members. The new policy will go into effect immediately. President Obama this morning pledged to help raise 50 million Africans out of poverty. That would be the equivalent of 5% of Africa's population. The president said many Africans live in such poverty that it's an assault on human dignity. His comments coming during his speech to the African Union in Ethiopia. During that same address, President Obama said he thinks he's, quote, a pretty good president. He also said if the Constitution allowed him to run for a third term... He believes he'd win. Back home, the Obama administration will try again today to sell the Iran nuclear deal to Congress. Three cabinet secretaries are expected to face tough questioning from both sides in a hearing this morning. Neil Falls, the man who was shot and killed by a West Virginia escort last week, had a list of six other women in his pocket. Falls was killed by the woman after he reportedly tried to strangle her. Police across the country are now re-examining cold cases that could possibly be linked to Falls, including the murder of several prostitutes killed in Nevada between 2003 and 2006. The Coast Guard continues its search of the two missing teenage boys off the coast of Florida today. The two boys were last seen on Friday, and their capsized boat was found on Sunday. Officials said this morning that the search area remains 50 miles off the coast of Jacksonville and stretched north to Savannah, Georgia and south to Cape Canaveral. The boys' mothers say they remain hopeful. They spend so much time together on the water and on land that we are so certain that they, they have figured this out. Every five minutes I'm getting a phone call from somewhere, someone saying, I have a plane, I have a pilot, I have a boat, what can I do? The the families of the two teens are asking people to search the shore for debris that may provide clues to their whereabouts. And Matt, have you ever been uh, part of a focus group? Uh, No. (laughs) They don't want my opinion. (laughs) Well, be glad you missed this one. Why? So the New Jersey-based company called Fresh Pet made humans into guinea pigs. Hmm. They had them eat their dog food Hmm. unknowingly. 
Yeah. Really? What they did is they hired a culinary arts expert, and he made the dog food kind of look like gourmet human food. Uh. He made sliders, tacos, and meatballs to put on pasta. Yeah. So for the most part, the participants said stuff like, <laughs> this is the best burger I've ever tasted, and the meat is amazing. When they were told that they were eating, some actually kept eating. They said one of the best reactions came from an elderly elderly man who said, I was going to say this tastes like dog food, but I didn't want anyone to think. <laughs> I didn't want anybody I've been eating dog to be food. offended. <laughs> man, plus you're, you've got that glossy coat now. Yes, that hair. very nice. Man, yes. your hair seems so glossy. And no more, you know, ticks or fleas. Jeez. Oh, Doesn't that sound horrible? You know what? That doesn't seem like the right way to treat your focus group. I know, especially when you lied to them and said, yeah, guess what? <laughs> now everybody out there doing focus groups, they're going to be leery. They're going to be worried like, what is this really? What is in there? Yes. Yeah, have you ever done a focus group? I have once before, and I think it was on someone – I think someone in the media. They just wanted your opinion on yeah. if you liked them or something. Yeah, what yeah. do you think of that? Yeah, yeah what then, do you think of this person? Yeah, the, years, the, many years ago. Have you ever been in a study? Have you ever done a study? No. Like So at universities, a lot of times you get pulled into these studies. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing – time I'm trying to figure out what the study's about. Yeah. And then they're like, don't don't try to figure it out. Just Let's well, give us your opinion. I think you want me to say yes, but I really want to say no. But if I say no, then you know, I know you're going to ask me these questions. Just relax, dude. Relax. Just take the test, man. Yeah, you're right. I don't think they want my opinion either. So, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking true worth today. Mm-hmm. Where, do you think, where do you think we're losing it? Where are we losing our sense of identity and worth? You know, I do. I, I'm really You're interested to hear this yeah. uh, interview. You know, the FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. I think yeah. people look at that and think, wow, they, they have s- such a much better life than I do, oh. which is sad. Uh-huh. You know, it's really unfortunate. The world hasn't changed. It's just their perception of what other people are doing. And so it makes them feel like losers, which yeah. is kind of sad. Well, and there's a weird pressure because now you can see what all your friends are doing mm-hmm. and, you can, and they're posting it. Right. And you can see if you were invited. Exactly. And you can see who else yes. was there. That's a big one. I mean, so if you're a teenager, it's not you're not only you can't even just go hide away. It used to be you if you didn't want to go to the dance, mm-hmm. you just don't go. And you just you would you wouldn't you'd hear about a little bit of it talked at school, but mm-hmm. now it's posted. Yeah. You can know during the dance, you can have a live tweet of what's going at the dance you're missing. That's just sad. Yeah, it, social media is it's good and it's bad. Yeah. And that's the bad part. We're having a story this week on the good in the world about a 18-year-old from Yakima, Washington. Mm-hmm. He used it for good on Instagram. And he posted wonderful things about all of his classmates just so they felt better about oh, themselves. That's cool. So we're going to share that later this week. So, but, so there's a kid that yeah. knows what his worth is. Yes. And shows the positive. And he had a really good perspective on it that we get to share hopefully oh, tomorrow. Heavens, the next that's day. great. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Kathy. Trying to help us see the good in the world. Okay, uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. Come back. Dr. Billy Gordon will be joining us. He's going to walk us through how, you know, the battle of just being a human and a social animal might leave a lot of us, you know, maybe making a a dance with the devil, maybe making a pact with uh, a sense of identity with, with things that we don't even really care about. We might care more about money and our status and our image simply to stay alive socially, how to get down to your real identity. We'll be talking about that as well. Up with Dr. Billy Gordon after the break. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, as human beings, we are essentially social creatures, and there is a basic instinct that keeps us from being thrown out of the herd. Today, this instinct operates on a hair trigger sensitivity due to overstimulation from complex interconnectivity that comes through our social networks and the media and the Internet. We are hyper aware of the blemishes on our profile pictures. We take stock of the number of likes or shares that we receive from the photos that we post and the opinions we share, and we rarely go unplugged. But do our likes ever really define our personal worth? Dr. Billy Gordon, author of Psychology Today's um, Obesely Speaking blog, joins us now live to talk about our true self-worth. Dr. Gordon, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you very much. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. We can. And uh, thanks for joining us. This Your article, I think, is just so interesting, Negotiating Your True Self-Worth, um, which is on psychologytoday.com. Talk to us about that. Why, why do we have such a battle today over kind of finding our self-worth? Well, I think there's a number of issues, and I think the most important thing is that we have to remember that we are a social species. Yeah. And on a very basic level in our old brain, it's important for us to be a part of the herd because being separated from the group means that we will perish. And the old brain doesn't think. The old brain knows nothing about freeways. The old brain doesn't tweet. The old brain is not on Instagram, not on Facebook. The old brain is somewhere in the jungle, on a prairie, wandering around, foraging for berries, and hiding from vicious predators. (laughs) And and that is the part of the brain that regulates our emotions. And we have to realize that that part of the brain overrules our new thinking part of the brain, which is constantly tweeting and being a light core or whatnot. Yeah. And I'm not really sure if I answered your question because it's a little bit earlier here in L.A. Yeah. um, But see, to me, that's that's a really interesting deal because so we really have a a battle of the brains, right? Part of our brain loves this tweeting, loves all of this stuff, but there's there's kind of the old brain you keep calling it. I guess that's the fight-or-flight kind of brain well, that's yeah, about it's survival cortical structures yeah you know it's more than just fight or flight it's a it's like our muscle instincts it's our um reward system and it's just a lot of things it's a place where habits are formed and it's just everything that's subcortical and not a part of the new thinking cortex which is the newer part of the brain hmm. um and so yeah there is a conflict between those two parts of the brain because the way evolution designed it is that um the old brain takes the new brain offline, as we call it, um, in situations of crisis. Like, for example, because if, if you're, say, a zebra, who's that brain just like us, and you're in the bush and you hear a rustle, well, if you stop to think about it and it's tumbleweed, well, that's okay. Right. But if it's a lion, it's not good. <laughs> you're and, dead. Uh, so yeah. what you do is you just run. And so it doesn't stop. And that's what happens with the humans. You know, whenever we perceive some type of threat, we immediately react. You know, our blood pressure rises. We prepare for the eventuality of fight or flight. And unfortunately, in our new world where there's so much cognitive load, we go on Facebook and we don't get enough likes. Likes, And our old brain perceives that as um, a threat. Hmm. You know, it's being separated from the herd. Oh, my God, people aren't responding. People aren't favoring my tweets. 
And um, so then our blood pressure rises and um, changes in our metabolism happens to prepare us for the eventuality of flight or flight because our old brain doesn't think. The yeah. mantra there is survive now, ask questions later. It really is. And it, and it makes it – it really makes it so I guess we're not actually – we're not even coherent or cognizant, really, of what, why, why something matters to us and why something doesn't. We we just are kind of reacting to it. Let's right, do... exactly. I mean, we kind of are, and it's kind of two things. We kind of know why. I mean, everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to post something on Facebook that people really, really like. And every, I mean, you know, because we're humans, yeah. people like to be liked, and no pun intended. <laughs> And um, and so that's important. So we know that in our conscious level, but our old brain doesn't interpret it that way, mm-hmm. you know, because our new brain can say, well, of course, these people don't like this because I'm just po- a political genius. And what I'm saying is wonderful. And the old brain is saying, we're standing alone. We're going to die. Yeah, you know? this isn't good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. it's an interesting dynamic. Is it? I mean, I guess this is in evolution theory. This would take a million years to evolve out of or hundreds of thousands of years to evolve out of how do we how do we handle the discrepancies between the old and the new brain and the old and the new world well we have to be very conscious about what we do we have to try a to stay centered it's you know if i had the answer to this <laughs> i would be someplace spending the money for the nobel prize that's exactly right you. you'd be on a beach but, somewhere uh, but this is what i think I think that, or at least this is what seems to work for me, if we start our day out by being centered, you know, we get up, we meditate, we breathe, and we remember where we are, then the things that we encounter don't affect, it, don't affect us as much. Yeah. Also, if we stay in the now, because really the reality is, because I'm a scientist, and so I don't deal in consensual realities, and but in the intrinsic reality is all we have is right now, this moment. What happened in the past is no longer valid, and what happens will happen in the future is not valid, and they're only valid when they're the present, mm. when they're right here, right now, because that's what we have. So if we can keep ourselves in the present, then we can process things better. It's when we start thinking about you know, the future, we start bemoaning the past that we get into problems. So that's one way to kind of negotiate the difference. The other way, which I think is more important, is we have to constantly remind ourselves that we are a social species and what is really important. And a couple weeks ago, I was in the hospital, and you don't know me, so you don't know that. Oh, my God, you're in Utah. Yeah. And I'm a Michigan alum, and we're going to play Utah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we're coming for you. (laughs) Uh, But anyway. Oh, but you're at BYU. Yeah, we're at BYU. Yeah, yeah, we. That's all right. Yeah, we're still exactly. You're still coming for us. (laughs) Yeah, we're still coming for it. But anyway, but um, the tight end coach Jay Harbaugh came to visit me here in the hospital, and he said to me, "said You know what is your greatest accomplishment?" And you know, and I had no idea what it was, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and then I remembered a long time ago when I was in college, I encountered this woman who was extremely racist, and she was it was like I don't know 
geriatric facility. Uh-huh. She just wanted to go outside, and everybody hated her, and she just wanted to go outside and see the sun, but she was horrible. I mean, <laughs> inward, every other word. Yeah. She, oh, wow. She was old. You know, yeah. she, was, she just was how she was. Anyway, I took her outside, and I didn't listen to her stuff, and she looked up at the sun, and I could see that she was in so much pain from being abandoned by her family, and I just took her in my arms, and I just sang to her, and she died in my arms. Oh, wow. Looking at the sun, looking up at the sun, but she was smiling. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that is my, that was my greatest moment. I really do believe, because I let all my prejudices stay behind, I let uh-huh. all my fears, I checked my ego, and I just stayed in that moment, and I was just real human. And I think when we concentrate on being good, you know, when it's in the supermarket line, it's like, you know, when you just are polite and we remember what's really important, you know, family and love and being decent to each other and being decent to ourselves, I think we have a better chance of surviving in this world, which has way too much cognitive oh, love. So true. So true. And such a beautiful story. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Billy Gordon. We're going to take a break. Uh, Billy is the co-investigator in the inve- ingestive Behavior and Obesity Program at the Center for Neurobiology of Stress at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue to find out about finding our true worth and, uh, and, and trying to understand, too, how, this, this, how our brains impact even our addictions and some of our other um, trials that a lot of us are facing and going through. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, joining us on the phone is Dr. Billy Gordon, who is the author of Psychology Today's Obesely Speaking and uh, wrote a really wonderful article, Negotiating Your True Worth. He also is um, a uh, co-investigator in the Ingestive Behavior and Obesity Program, Center for the Neurobiology of Stress at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA and uh, he's, he had a career in modeling as a TV actor, writer, author. And then he went on to the University of Michigan in 1997, completed his Ph.D. in neuroscience in '04, and uh, has been um, doing his postdoctoral work in neuroimaging at the David Geffen School of Medicine. Anyway, Dr. Billy Gordon, we welcome you back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're certainly welcome. That story was kind of close to my story. I actually started in the 70s, and like many people in the 70s, I did my junior year abroad, and it actually turned out to be 20 years in which I came to Hollywood and did Did modeling and TV writing and acting and movies and stuff like that. And then I decided that I needed to do something more substantial with my life. And so I went back to Ann Arbor and finished my degree That's in great. 1997. So I'm older than someone who graduated <laughs> yeah. in 1997. That's true. And I, with a whole lot more mileage. Well, and dang good looking too, Billy. Um, well, thank you. Know, you you, know you go see your optometrist. But, <laughs> no. um, but you know what is interesting about your background too? It almost is so fitting 
to be a neuroscientist because one of the things you mentioned in your article is that we have these consensual realities. Um, talk about that, about how we've kind of, as society, right. we've created what what our values should be, and it may not be aligned to what our heart tells us. Well, right, exactly. What we need to understand about humans is the reason that we dominate the food chain is not the opposable thumb. <laughs> it's because we are really good at um, symbolic interaction. Like, for example, our language. These sounds only mean things to you because you and I agree that certain phonetics mm-hmm. put together in certain ways mean certain things and represent certain things, a written and spoken language. It's all symbolism. So, And it's never about the symbols themselves, but about what they represent. That's what's important to us. And we are wicked symbolsmiths. I mean, other animals use symbols. Dogs show their teeth and stuff like that to let you know that they're not happy or they'll wag their tail. So we're not the only animals that use symbols, but we do it to the 12th level. (laughs) And so anyway, and a part of the things that we create is we create things like class and things like beauty. And, you know, what's beautiful in our society and what's beautiful in tribal um, South America and in tribal Africa are two very different things. And which one is right? Well, the answer is all of, all of the above. You know, it just depends on where you're looking at it. But the problem is, is that when you live in a society that tells you this is beautiful and this is not, this is more than and this is less than, that becomes stressful hmm. to your brain because, again, it's important to us to have social currency that's deeply rooted in our brains. We need that to survive, or at least we think we do. The fact of the matter is, is we couldn't separate ourselves from the herd if we wanted to. Right. And I mean, where would we go? But um, so anyway, but what happens with that is when we don't, um, when we start to purchase some of these consensual realities, because they only work if we agree. Right. I mean, if, if I don't agree that um, a certain thing is classy, then it's not classy. But if we all agree that it is or that such a thing as class exists, then um, then it becomes that way. And so if we feel that the consensual reality doesn't serve us, it becomes stressful. And when things become stressful, it works first and foremost on our cardiovascular system, but it also works on our reward system in our brain because there's a part of our brain called the VTA, which is my new, I used to be really into the amygdala. Now I'm into the VTA. Yeah. Not that you care. but um, <laughs> It's good to know. Taking notes. Area, what it does is it monitors what whether or not our needs are being met. It monitors whether or not we're breeding. It monitors whether or not um, we have good social connections. And when we have those things uh, and whether or not we're feeding, and so when, when those things are successful, the VTA releases dopamine into um, our reward system. And when, it's, when those things aren't being met, the brain needs to have some dopamine. Oh. And, so, and so what happens, you have to understand how the brain is. The brain is like a checker at one of those big warehouse stores, like right before the 4th of July. Yeah. It's really busy, you yeah. know, and so it does not have time for a price check. You know, so it just wants everything to go through. Yeah. So it doesn't care how it gets its dopamine, especially in this modern world. So it, it can get it from yoga. It can get it from crack. It can get it from overeating. It can get it from satisfying 
our social needs. It doesn't care. It just wants it. And so what happens is the new part of our brain goes, oh, okay. So this is what we need. We need more dopamine. Well, we can get more dopamine from eating rich chocolate. And so it starts to eat rich chocolate or it starts to drink or whatever. And um, so then what happens is um, we get a little squirt of dopamine. Well, if we have these constant little stressors all, all the time from all these little consensual realities that says, I'm too fat, I'm too thin, I'm not tall enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm too old, I'm too young, blah, 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 blah. We constantly need these dopamine things. And so the brain goes, ah, we'll get it from chocolate. Ah, we'll get <sighs> it from cigarettes. Ah, we'll get it from wherever. And then what happens, it's the habit formation occurs. And it's like this. First, it starts out as a goal-directed behavior. Like, for example, you walk into a room, you switch a light switch because you want to turn on the light. But you know how sometimes you walk into a room and even though you know the light is out, you flip the switch anyway? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what happens with habit formation, and that's how we become addicts. Because what happens is our brain starts walking into the room and flipping the switch even though it knows the light is out. Interesting. It's a habit. Wow. And it really, I mean, what's crazy about that, I mean, that that need for dopamine could perpetuate even biases, stereotypes, be, I mean, belief systems, you know, it, it, just being a racist could get a dopamine hit in your head if other people validate it. Of course, of course. And you always see that in society when people feel the people that um, I interact with a lot of people on social media and um, I, and there's a lot of Michigan football fans, we call them Walmart Wolverines because they really didn't go to Michigan and they're kind of redneck and kind of trailer parkish. And so they want to associate themselves with Michigan. Because sure. Great. And so, and I'm sure BYU has the totally. But, totally. Um, but anyway, uh, but the point is, is that I noticed from interacting with those people that their political values are very curious and they tend to be very racist and very sexist and very homophobic. Because it makes them feel mm. better, you yeah. know? It makes them, because if I feel better than you, then yeah, I'll get a little squirt of dopamine because there's all, it's very important where we are on the social hierarchy. Yeah. You know, that's very important, Tessa. The work that Sapolsky did with the baboons about, and that showed how where you were on the social scale had everything to do with how healthy you are. And um, so, you know, what's well, interesting. So, so the brain's really more after dopamine than it is even longevity and health or long term success. Really, it's just it just wants its fix. Exactly. I mean, you know, that's kind of an oversimplification, but it's kind of not. Yeah. I mean, the brain's a dopamine horn. That's the only way to say it. <laughs> you know, the brain would be standing by the side of the freeway with a sign that says, I will work for dopamine if it could, you know, <laughs> yeah. because that it, cause it loves dopamine and also loves other neurochemicals. And uh, But the thing is, is that it really loves dopamine because dopamine is what the brain uses to get us to do what we need to do. Because otherwise, if it didn't have the dopamine and the feel-good wasn't in it, we wouldn't do anything. Right. We wouldn't go to the trouble of eating. We wouldn't go through all the grief of having relationships, certainly if there wasn't that dopamine from being pair-bonded to somebody and the other benefits that come from being in a relationship. So it's very important um, to the brain. Dopamine is very important. And it's in getting us to do the things that we need to do 
that pro that um, promotes our longevity and also promotes the species by getting us, you know, to breed yeah. in theory. Is there? But unfortunately, in this world, we have all these tricks. You know, we have condoms and we have masturbation and all these other things, and we're not really breeding. But see, the old brain's very easily easy to trick because it just reads the certain signals. You're breathing heavy. Yeah. Um, you're this and that. You know, all the signals that are associated with mating, and so it thinks, okay, we're mating. It's but, there, yeah. Is there is there a way? Do you see a way that you could take your highest values, your highest principles, and actually align them to a dopamine fix? So, so like if I uh, if I want yeah. to be a person that's giving and caring and charitable, I can I could eventually do that to the point that my dopamine would fire for that. Well, yeah, it's well, you know what? It's interesting because you have to retrain your thinking, you know. And what you have to do is that's why I say you have to decide to yourself what your value system is and what's important to you. And you have to, and, and because the thing is, is when we help other people and we do things that are nice, we do get dopamine from it. Mm -hmm. but, but most of us don't take time because most of us are busy chasing the fix. Most of us are concerned with an externalized locus of control. Most of us want to have you know, I want your approval. I want you to think that I'm great. You want me to love the Matt Townsend show, blah, 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 blah. I want you to love the Billy Gordon show, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, that's how that is rather than, you know, Matt Townsend wants to just be nice to the lady in the line in front of him. And Billy Gordon just wants to be polite in traffic. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah. We want, we want the bigger bang, the bigger yeah, need. Because we want the quick fix because we're a society of quick fixes, you mm. know, if you like me, boom, I get a little dopamine. But if I have to go to all the trouble to be nice to somebody, and especially if they're not going to be nice to me, because these days when you're nice to somebody, they go, what are you up to? <laughs> yeah, you know? what do you so want? I, you know, it's true. So, yeah, but if you value those things and you remember that those things are important, if you remember the things that your grandmother told you, you know, if you just pretend like your grandmother's like always there, <laughs> then... Um, and do those things, you'll become very boring and you'll have no romantic life, but still. Uh, <laughs> but grandma you, would love you. Uh, but your grandmother would love you, but you would love yourself more. Mm. Because what we do, because there's a part of our brain that realizes we are a social species and understands that what we do to each other, we are also doing to ourselves. Yeah. And you, you see this in, you, you see people in addiction and uh, addiction to food and uh, even to the point that there it's got to be this this crazy cycle of the more we chase the dopamine, the more we destroy our own sense of worth. Oh, yeah. The more we chase it. See, it's like this. It's like, um, you know, um, my mother was very attractive and she used to and um, she used to always say, you don't have to try to look good. If you try, if you have to try, it's not going to work. It's too, yeah. you know, it's not it's there. Just, you know, <laughs> she goes, I don't have to work it, honey. It'll work itself. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's what I mean. And you have to make it a second nature thing. Yeah. You know, it has to be who you are and you have to sit with your private demons and, you know, you have to, to figure out, you know, who you are, what is your journey and what's important to you and what is it? 
that the universe entrusted you to do. Because the reality is, Matt, that, you know, from the time that the first prokaryote appeared in the primordial sea until the last star sputters and drops from the heaven, there will have been only one you and one me. Mm. And it's a spiritual obligation and a political obligation and an honor to do that to the 12th power. I mean, it's, it's what yeah. we have to do. No, that's you know? beautiful. And, and that's really it, isn't it? It's you, you've got to find you. And like you say, right. be in the now, be present, and be you in the now. Right. And you have to be courageous enough to actually stand up against, against when people are doing wrong mm. and you know in your heart that it's right. You know, you have to be strong enough to say no. You know, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to make fun of this person because everybody else does. No, I'm not going to waste my money on this video game because everybody else has the latest version of this. No, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to um, eat this fast food. I'm going to eat something raw and natural that's in season and local and healthy, even though it doesn't taste as good. That's right. And even though I want dopamine. Yeah, I'm but really yeah, exactly. Even though I want the immediate, yeah, I want the immediate dopamine. But see, if you keep your life more centered, your dopamine needs will change. Mm, yeah, and align and, and align to your values. Also, too, now there's another thing that I have to mention because one of the things that we do at CNS, we are big into the microbiome. We did some of the pioneering studies that showed the relationship between our gut bacteria and our brain, because serotonin is a very important drug. That's in, that engages with dopamine in the reward system. Mm-hmm. And more serotonin comes from your gut than will ever come from your brain. And your gut actually controls your brain much more mm. than your brain itself. Interesting. How do we get serotonin in the gut? Well, what happens is various different gut bacteria um, feed on things and then they release them into the blood, into as metabolites, and those metabolites affect all of our neurochemicals, including serotonin. And depending on what populations of gut bacteria you have, um, that will determine what uh, types of metabolites are being uh, released into oh, wow. your blood yeah. and, what is, and how affecting your, your levels. And what you have to remember about gut bacteria is two things you have to remember. Nine-tenths of the cells in our bodies are not human cells, the bacteria cells. And the other thing that you have to remember is that these bacteria in our gut change really quickly because they were designed by evolution to adjust to the fact that we might have fish today because we caught some fish, and then for the next 10 days we might be having berries. So it has to be able to adjust really quickly from a digesting fish effectively to digesting berries effectively. So it only takes a couple of days to change your gut bacteria. And so that's, and, and also too, the other thing, gut bacteria, they're like street gangs. They're thuggish. They're very thuggish. <laughs> yeah. And they're like always warring on each other. And if they can't get what they need, then they're happy to see the other bacteria not get what it needs. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We'll live yeah, together no, or like die together. Blood. They really are. They're Interesting. Like and this is all this this yeah. is the research you're doing at the Center for Neurobiology of Stress, huh? At the David Geffen David Geffen School of Medicine. 
Yeah, this is the research. The guy who is the head of our group, Emron Meyer, um, he has a book coming out next fall. He just did a, a really good TED Talk. If you check it out, he's like the king of gut bacteria. <laughs> I just kind of fell into the gut bacteria thing. Like, I just kind of fell into neuroscience. Yeah. Um, but it was a good fall. Anyway. It, it's it's, but, it's uh, done but, good for you, Billy. What? Yeah, I think you're I think you're very you're good at helping us understand uh what's really going on in the brain and the mind. We've got to cut break cut a break here and get out. Uh but Billy, we appreciate you, my friend. Keep up the great work there uh, again at the Ingestive Behavior and Obesity Program at the Center for Neurobiology of Stress. His name's Billy Gordon and uh, if you go uh to Psychology Today, look up his uh his blog, Obesely Speaking is the name of his blog. Great stuff, folks. And we're learning. The neat thing about this is we're on the cutting edge of just starting to figure out how this chemistry plays on us and impacts our own identity, um, our sense of worth. We'll take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, so much uh, so much to learn about our relationships and our self-worth. In the end, you know, it's confusing. The technology and the and the um, and just the science behind your sense of, of validation, it's important. And yet, when it comes right down to it, you may not ever really know why you feel what you're feeling. A lot of our, our feelings um, are coming from our body simply because we want the dopamine fix. So one thing that it's a weird statement, but I would I wouldn't always trust your feelings. Sometimes your feelings are wrong. So make sure your feelings are aligned to your highest goals in life, your highest desires. If I asked you simply, when did you feel the very best about who you were as a person? When did you feel the very best about what you were doing here on this great big ball of mud? Go back and think about what you were doing at the time and ask yourself, what was it about that moment that made me feel so good about what I was doing, what I was offering? We don't need everybody you know, working a charity uh, in order to feel – to change this world and make it better. We do need everybody to at least try to be in their best self. And your best self could be you in whatever job you've got, wherever you are, offering the world what only you can offer. A great quote about this. At the end of the day, the only question I will ask myself are these questions, okay? Did I love enough? Did I laugh enough? And uh, very simply, did I make a difference? And making a difference doesn't mean you need to make a difference to me. You just might need to make a difference to your family, to yourself, to your parents, that you were different. And uh, there is value then in being different, right? We don't all need to be the same to make everything work. Um, we, don't, we, can, we can value the differences. There's power there. So remember that. You're, you're an incredible uh, asset and person of incredible infinite worth. And don't play small. None of us can afford to play small in this world. We need to play big and, and become a big change. We'll take a break, my friends. We'll come back next hour. More tools, more ideas to help you find the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Hey, happy Milk Chocolate Day. July 28th, Milk Chocolate Day. Somebody needs to tell Ben to wipe that chocolate off his face. He's been eating. You like the you like the milk chocolate? You went to Germany on your mission. Oh, yeah. So you probably, you know what real good milk chocolate or dark chocolate probably tastes like. Well, both. I, I, I stayed in a town that had a chocolate factory in it. Oh, wow. And it smelled like chocolate the whole Really? Day. Was it Willy Wonka's chocolate factory? Almost. It was... Willy Wonka? It was called Ritter Sports. Say that again. Ritter Sports. Okay. But it was amazing. Was it good? Oh. You're, you look like you're drooling. I, I am. So. Okay. Close your yeah. mouth. Close your mouth. It's all good. Are you a milk chocolate fan? Yeah. We know Kathy is. Kathy, are you into the milk chocolate? Or you like the milk, not the dark Love chocolate. the milk chocolate, not the dark. Dark's a little too bitter for me. Yeah. Dark, uh, it's better for your health. I know. But if you eat it by the truckload, it's irrelevant. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Calories are calories. They're calories. It doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, today we got a great uh, topic coming up. Uh, Dr. Shimi Kang, a Kong, is going to be joining us. We got to figure out exactly how to say that name. But uh, we're going to be talking about. Do you know that we we're taking fewer and fewer vacations? Like we just don't take vacations. My family right now, half of my family is on a vacation, and I'm working. And I'm, I just asked my wife, I'm like, what's that just doesn't seem right. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it just seems like I'm working to keep you on vacation. And she's like, exactly. What is the problem with that? So we'll be talking about the, the recent uh, drop in the United States of the no vacation nation. It's crazy. We have time, but we don't go take the break that we need. Heavier workloads are getting in the way. We feel like nobody else can do our work. I keep saying, nobody else can do my show but me. And they're all like, well, whatever. Anyway, some people can't afford to take a vacation. We'll be getting into that. Uh, so stick with us. If you have been struggling to figure out a way to get a vacation, stick with us. I think we'll have some pretty good insight on how you might be able to find some time and uh, get rid of some of the excuses. But before we start vacationing, let's go to the headlines with Kathy Aiken and find out what's going on. GOP presidential hopeful Mike Huckabee says he's had an extremely positive response from the Jewish community after comparing President Obama's nuclear weapons deal with Iran to the Holocaust. Huckabee said if he were president, he'd use the same language when referring to deals with Iran. We need to use strong words when people make strong threats against an entire group of people as the Iranians have made toward the Jews. This is not empty talk on the part of the Iranians. This is something that they consistently say, even as we're sitting down having a negotiation with them and they're crying out death to America. My gosh, what kind of negotiation is that? 
Huckabee said his comments were never meant to get media attention that's been focused primarily on Donald Trump. President Obama this morning pledged to help raise 50 million Africans out of poverty. That's an equivalent of 5 percent of Africa's population. The president said many Africans live in such poverty that it's an assault on human dignity. His comments coming during his speech to the African Union in Ethiopia. During that same address, President Obama said he thinks he's, quote, a pretty good president and said if the Constitution allowed and he ran for a third term, he believes he'd win. The governing body of the Boy Scouts of America yesterday voted to end its ban on gay adult leaders. The board came to the conclusion that the policy was no longer legally defensible. Here's BSA National President Robert Gates. For far too long, this issue has divided and distracted us. Now it's time to unite behind our shared belief in the extraordinary power of scouting to be a force for good in a community and in the lives of its youth members. Yesterday's ruling will allow churches that sponsor scout troops to exclude gay leaders due to religious reasons. Nearly 70 percent of troops are run by faith-based organizations. The new policy goes into effect immediately. The Coast Guard continues its search of the two missing teenage boys off the coast of Florida. So far, more than 28,000 nautical miles have been searched. The boys' capsized boat was found on Sunday. They were last seen Friday. The families of the two teens are asking people to search the shore for debris that may provide clues to their whereabouts. Millions of Americans are under heat advisories today as part of the country will hit the highest temperatures of the year. The most dangerous heat is in Missouri, where the heat index could get as high as 110 degrees. Along with the heat, Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin could face severe weather, along with possible tornadoes. Physicist Stephen Hawking joined hundreds of other prominent figures dealing with artificial intelligence, warning about the dangers of autonomous killing machines. At the International Joint Conference on Artificial Intelligence in Argentina, world leaders were urged to enact a global ban on human-free offensive robotics. Whoa. They say such technology is feasible within years, and it would push ahead, and, excuse me, and if powers pushed ahead with AI weapon development, a global arms race is inevitable. Isn't oh, that scary? Great. That is scary. You've seen it in the movies, all these machines attacking people and oh, boy. bizarre. I mean, it's we already have, if he, uh, Terry's in there cheering, um, <laughs> he thinks this is uh, yeah. the Terminator. Um, but we already have a hard time, you know, just getting the... Like the uh, – what's it called? The money machine to work, right? The, the ATM. The ATM mm-hmm. to just give me the money I mm-hmm. need. Yes. That's hard enough. So wait, you're thinking this isn't feasible. Wait till they turn on you. I know. Well, it's weird. As they say, it's it's feasible within years, not decades. Years. That's scary. Years. Well, the decades are made of years. Yes, but less than 10. So Yeah, so nine years. <laughs> nine years. Within nine years, most, this could be happening. machines could be ruling the world. Man. You know? How do you kill them? How would you – how would you shoot them? You know what? It's very simple. Yeah. You unplug them. There you go. You know? Find the battery and just unplug, unplug them. It. That's what you do. That's how you reboot. You just look mm-hmm. for the reset button. Mm-hmm. How many times have you just had to pull the battery out of something to reset it? Many. You just got to tackle it, put it on its back, get on its belly, because mm-hmm. the battery case will always be on the belly, and uh, take out the batteries. <laughs> then they know who's boss. Sometimes those covers are very hard, though, to get off. That's true. You might have to do it as a family. Could be a family activity. <laughs> Kids, we're taking down the that robot could be today. A vacation, yes. Trying yeah. to figure it out. But honestly, imagine though if I, by the way, if I had a robot, my robot would be doing the show, and I would be on vacation. There you go. Terry was supposed to be my robot. He hasn't done it yet. No. Come on, Terry. Maybe we need to take his batteries out and reset him. <laughs> 
That sounds gross. Just so he can sound like you? and No. Yeah. No. Oh. Nobody can sound like me. That's true. Then that'd be, Very true. That'd be stealing. <laughs> um, cool. That's a crazy story, though. Gosh, I don't know that. Did you hear that uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, he's getting in trouble for maybe stealing jokes? Yeah, off Twitter. But how many people have said a joke that they thought was theirs, but it was really someone else's? Someone else's. I think they do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I stole my first bit ever. I stole from like Johnny Carson, and I told it at a church thing. My, I was supposed to speak on Mother's Day. Uh huh. And on Johnny Carson, like three days earlier, they Johnny Carson made a joke about, or somebody on the show made a joke about how his mother used a, um, or somebody used a smoke detector. To help him with their cooking, and I was, and I was like, okay. And he said, basically, the way it would work is my mom would keep cooking until the smoke detector went off, <laughs> and then she knew she had five more minutes to cook it. So I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so I took that, and on Mother's Day, I used that joke and Did just killed it. Oh, killed it! I oh, I they, they loved it. Oh no. no, they loved it. My mom hated it. <laughs> Like my mom's not a great cook, but my mom uses the smoke detector f- to time her food. And honestly, that's right. Then I'm like, hey, I'm funny. I could steal stuff all day. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It was sad. My mom didn't talk to me for about a year. <laughs> I don't blame but her. But you know what? She's got to grow up. What do you do? What do you do? Good stuff, Kathy. Good headlines. Uh, now, here's the cool deal. Have you taken a vacation lately? It's time to take a vacation. But apparently, as a community, as a society, the United States, we're taking fewer and fewer vacations, even if we have vacation time. We just don't take it. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Shimmy Kang will be joining us. She's going to uh, talk about an article she wrote that uh, is about the fact that the No Vacation Nation and uh, how we become the Yes Vacation Nation. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back talking time off right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. To the Matt Townsend Show. According to our next guest, uh, she's she wrote a great article on Psychology Today called "The No Vacation Nation," and in that article, she cites she says, according to reports, Americans are taking fewer vacation days now than at any point in the last po- past four decades, and sixty one percent of Americans who do plan on taking their paid vacation days say they will be continuing to do work, send their emails, and make business calls while they're away on their vacation. Isn't that a bit of a reality check? Where have the days of all the road trips to the Grand Canyon and all those annoying scouting songs gone? Our guest today is uh, Dr. Shimmy Kang, and she's going to talk to us about the No Vacation Nation. Dr. Kang, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. And are you kidding me? We This is the lowest uh, use of vacation in the last uh, four decades? Yes. Actually, that term, no vacation nation, um, was coined by the Center for Economic and Policy Research. And um, they really looked at over the last um, 30 years and found that 
Um, you know, the so many things are tied into um, no vacation, but the bottom line, it was um, an economic uh, argument where it was both stressed employees and employers were having to endure greater turnover and lower productivities uh, when their workers were taking little time off. Um, and so that was the economic finding, mm. but as a psychiatrist and um, a mental health professional, I can certainly tell you, and as a medical doctor, we know that um, vacation has a lot of benefit on our physical health, um, better heart heart health in particular, um, and certainly our mental health. And uh, so we really have to look at it as a uh, as something that's not just a luxury or a leisure, but um, really important for our physical, mental health, and our economies. It's it, it, it is. It, it seems like I know even in my own world when I don't get a vacation. Someone's going to pay for it. So something's going to happen, whether it's my health or my quality of work's going to drop. But a lot of this, it seems like too, that the workload is going up. We have a heavier workload, and and is it is it just that people feel like they can't leave, or does it feel like do they just feel like they no one's can do it like they can do it? Yes, both of those. Um, the most common reasons people decide not to take. Their vacation, and and also to um, underline that these are actually paid vacation days yeah. um, that people aren't taking. So they're they're built into their employee packages. They're paid for them. They're expected in in on writing at least that they would take them. And the top three reasons people don't: um, they say that when they get back, they actually have a heavier workload. Now I've certainly experienced that myself. Um, they also feel that no one else can do their particular task. And then the third is they simply can't afford to take it. So even if they're getting paid for a vacation, vacations are expensive. Um, you know, the flights, the hotels, right. all of that um, in addition. So those are the top three reasons why um, Americans are choosing not to take their paid vacation. Do, and companies, do they really want us to? I mean, the data there, I guess, is showing that we're less productive. But it also seems like some bosses want you to just keep plugging away. Yeah, it depends. I think I really think it depends on what the company um, is hiring you for. And, um, you know, you may have heard these terms that, you know, we've moved from, you know, uh, in our human history of economies, we've moved from agricultural era to manufacturing era to IT. And now we're in what's called the conceptual era, the era of ideas. And people are being hired for their brains, for their ideas, for their concepts. Um, The key 21st century skills are creativity, collaboration, communication, and critical thinking. These these are the skills that are on every job posting and and people are getting evaluated for. Um, So companies who really uh, recognize that, um, that is their talent. And they don't want that brain talent to be exhausted, to be stressed, to be um, overworked. And I think that we're seeing a greater shift for um, understanding and, in fact, mandating vacation um, in companies that are really dealing with concepts. I think, on the other hand, we still have, um, you know, manufacturing-style workplaces where, you know, it really is um, perhaps kind of a tedious, mindless task, and maybe perhaps it's not as important there but um, for the actual workplace. But then it is important for the mental and physical health that connects to turnover because nobody wants to hire and uh, rehire, go through the interview process and retrain employees. That takes a lot of oh, toll on yeah. companies. Uh, so I think that now that we're in the conceptual area and as we go further into this century, um, people are being paid for their minds more than ever before. Mm. And and the funny thing is, you know, that can't 
be stretched, right? I mean, eventually you need quality minds, quality ideas, not just quantity. Exactly. Yeah. So I, um, my book is coming out. It's called The Self-Motivated Kid. And in it, I talk a lot about um, overpressured kids, and it's true for adults, but um, being too busy, being too busy is not a status symbol. Um, it's not a symbol of how important or how smart you are. Um, in fact, when we and we all walk around saying we're too busy, but our brains, when we actually look at the optimal functioning of our brains, it occurs in a state of balance. So I have a slide that I use and I talk about in, in the self-motivated kid is, and it's a bell curve. And we need some sense of, of course, busyness and stimulation. Um, but when we have too much, um, the curve goes down and, and our optimal thinking, our optimal mental performance, intellectual, cognitive our communication, our critical thinking, all of that declines. And so I tell people I work with and speak to, I say, look, if you're saying you're too busy to, um, to rest, too busy to sleep, um, and not too busy to go on vacation, then I'm sorry, you're, just, you're not just too busy to be healthy, but then you're too busy to be brilliant. Hmm. You're too busy to be in your optimal performance, um, and you're hindering your own potential. That's interesting because, yeah, really, if you can't even get out on a vacation and – see the value of it and find a way there, then you're already behind. Exactly. And I think we, you know, um, you know, we're learning a lot more about the brain and, um, and how we perform optimally. And, and we know it's, it's like um, every other part of the body. Like if you give the analogy of a muscle, you know, we need to work a muscle to keep it strong. We also need to, to rest a muscle. Um, and if we don't do it, um, we'll get injured. And I think when we, you know, a great analogy for, for mental fitness is physical fitness. And all the elite athletes know that they need to um, intersperse activity with rest. And um, elite mental performers, um, individuals who uh, really want to perform at their top game, also have to start incorporating that. And they are, in fact, um, doing so. Mm. It really is. Um, it, it seems like it's a first world problem, but it's also kind of just the new world problem where we we can always if, – if the if today's currency is just our creativity and our thinking, you know, we might just keep adding more and more situations and places where they're trying to draw on our brain. And in the end, you're just going to dry out. You're just going to exactly. wither on yeah. the vine. I think new world is a great concept. And, you know, we can't um, forget – Technology is a big factor in here because um, even when people are going on vacation, you know, as we've all seen at the poolside, there's laptops and, um, you know, mobile phones plugged in. Uh, I was, you know, you go to an airport now and you can't even find an outlet. Uh, So technology has taken work with us um, and it's made it harder to get away um, from work. But on the flip side, if you use it appropriately, you know, people can... Um, find um, perhaps more opportunities to um, um, to get that downtime, to get that rest, hmm. uh, because they perhaps can work from home or they can um, stay a little bit longer on their vacation and send in those emails while they're traveling. But um, so it's really a love hate relationship with technology. It depends on how we choose to use it. Oh, it's so true. And simply because we can doesn't mean we should, and yet we do. And, and, and so some of this is that's where we need to use. The creativity of our own brain, huh? Just to learn to say no at times. Exactly. Yeah, I think that um, you know. And again, when we when people talk to me, they they t- say, "Well, you know, I'm a really ambitious person." Or um, you know, in in my book, the self motivated kid, I talk about 
parents who are hyper-competitive. Um, and we know that um, an overwhelmed brain, an overwhelmed brain um, doesn't just uh, show poor decision-making skills when we study it. Um, we show we see a lack of creativity. Um, we see an increased um, inflammatory response um, in the body. Um, it's been connected to all kinds of health disorders like depression, anxiety, um, even our physical health, autoimmune problems, insomnia, of course, um, is a health epidemic. And, um, you know, there's more Americans on um, sleeping pills than ever before, but there's more tired Americans than ever before. Um, and so part of the solution to insomnia and the sleeping pill epidemic is for everyone to get a bit more sleep. Yeah. Uh, and so we see accelerated cell aging, cancer, diabetes, all these physical health problems too. So it's not just impacting our optimal performance or creativity or 21st century skills, but our basic fundamentals of health. Mm. And we're speaking with Dr. Uh, Shimmy Kang, and she is teaching us about the No Vacation Nation and really the sleep-deprived nation as well. We're going to take a break, come back. Uh, go check out her website, Dr. Shimmy Kang, S-H-I-M-I-K-A-N-G.com, drshimmykang.com, and uh, we'll come right back, give you more tools, more ideas to help you find the good in the world. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about the No Vacation Nation, how more and more people are foregoing uh, a vacation. They're not going to do it. Instead, they just stay home, go to work, but they probably operate much less effectively when they are at work. Joining us on the phone is Dr. Shimmy Kang, who is um, the author of The Dolphin Parent, A Guide to Raising Healthy, Happy, and Self-Motivated Kids. And uh, is a psychiatrist and a, a really well-known um, expert in just the field of human motivation. And she's joining us today to kind of walk us through why we aren't taking vacations. Dr. Kang, welcome back to the show. Thank you. One of the statistics that I found in that article you wrote on psychology today, this is crazy. According uh, Time is Money, according to a Project Time Off, a study that uh, – was um, cited in your report, uh, conducted by the U.S. Travel Association, the value of one foregone day where workers are de facto volunteers for their employers totals an average of $504 per employee. Therefore, the value of those 169 million lost days is significant, $52.4 billion in forfeited benefits. So when somebody doesn't go on a vacation and they're just kind of, I guess, uninterested, um, disconnected in their job, it still costs us. It does. Yeah. Economically, it costs us, uh, like you just pointed out. And um, even practically, I was um, when I was researching the article, I spoke with um, an HR um, manager for a very large ID company. And um, she was actually saying that for their company, they're really enforcing vacation because when people don't take it, it actually, on a very practical level, affects their accounting and affects mm. their um, 
uh, you know, their end of year kind of projections and budgets and such. So I think that uh, when companies are uh, factoring in vacation and it's not being taken, um, there's a whole ripple effect, uh, mind, body, um, business, society. And, you know, we can also look at, um, you know, that overall productivity. It's interesting that one of the comments I got was, this isn't Europe, um, where people take all these paid vacation days. This is, this is a different um, country, of course. But when you look at the, um, the data, the top three nations that beat um, the United States in 2013 um, in their um, GDP per capita, um, all of them favored, had a uh, favored metric for uh, workplace productivity, and all of them um, had fairly strong vacation uh, policies, hmm. um, including um, anywhere from 28 to 38, 35 paid days off a year. So, so it certainly does have an economic impact um, on a nationwide scale. Wow! And and again, we don't we we even when we have it, even when it's at our disposal, we still don't go take it. Is some of this? It just seems like you have pressure, right? You have social pressure to to be delivering you want to be on your game you want to look good you want to be there when the boss is there yes yeah and um again this is uh nothing new it's kind of been a uh you know a a trait of the workforce is and a lot of the rhetoric right it's the you know um the work harder um stay later mentality which you know, has its purpose. So, sure. you know, I'm not advocating for let's all, you know, vacation. <laughs> vacation. And it's really about balance. It's really about balance. Now, if you travel to countries like Japan um, and you see there late at night, you literally see um, businessmen, um, you know, staggering home, um, you know, exhausted or having drank too much. The 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 commitment to the um, the workplace um, is really taking its toll, and um, countries that want to get ahead are looking at that and making um, pretty profound decisions that may culturally not be the norm for them, and saying that um, we actually want our employees to go home before the boss, um, yeah. uh, and uh, because we're we're advocating for we want that creative talent. I think Arianna Huffington is a great example of that. You know, in the Huffington Post, she speaks very strongly about. Um, even breaks during the day, things like, you know, uh, having a nap or having um, there's beds in the Huffington Post and um, taking meditation time because in the end of the day, she's paying people for their brain talent. Um, so it's not just about being kind and gentle. It's actually a, a smart business decision. And it seems like the better you are at delivering some of those other things that you were saying in this new age, this new era where our mind might be the real great commodity. If I, if I'm, a, if I'm more creative and collaborative and I, if I can communicate better, it seems like all of that gives me more freedom to feel confident taking a vacation. If I'm producing Absolutely. results, I should feel confident taking the break. Absolutely. And you know, really what we're talking about is workplace stress um, and, um, and, personal stress. And, you know, we use this term stress very loosely. Um, You know, I feel stressed today or my boss is stressing us out. But, um, you know, when we actually think about stress, stress releases stress, a stress response, um, which are hormones like adrenaline and cortisol, which um, wreak havoc on our bodies. Um, Adrenaline puts us into what we call the freeze, fight or flight mode. And if we think of the workplace, um, I really like to give this analogy. If you think of that term, freeze, fight, or flight, which comes from stress, and it can come from stress in the workplace or home, 
Well, freeze is procrastination, it's anxiety, it's um, um, having difficulty doing your task. Fight is irritability, it's tension, it's arguments. Uh, and flight is checking out. So if you're at work and you're surfing the net or um, kind of ending up on YouTube or daydreaming, all of these are part of our stress response. Yeah. And um, it's not how we want to be spending our productive work days. Um, so if we reduce the stress, we um, can get out of that mode that I call it, it's the lower part of our brain and move into um, a more conscious uh, way of interacting with our environment um, that is all about choices and um, and, and appropriate interaction, not automatically freeze, fight, or flighting. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's really key. Is we, we have about a minute left, and uh, I'd love to know what are some things we should be focusing on to make sure we are doing when we do take the vacation. I guess, A, let's go take it. Make sure you're getting your time. What should we do to make sure the vacation is actually something that truly is recreates us? Yeah, so that term recreation comes from uh, recreate, and I think the biggest thing, um, Matt, is is the intention to uh, unwind and unplug. Um, so some people can say, I'm absolutely going to take my vacation. That's the first step, but if you're on vacation and working, um, then that that's not as great. So, um, and it, let's say you can't take a, a two-week vacation, but you decide you're going to take a three-day vacation, mm. but you commit to really unplugging and getting away. Um, The bottom line here is that commitment to get a break um, from the workplace, um, to really have our minds in a different place, um, whether it's our hobbies, whether it's gardening, spending time with our kids, working on our body or fitness or being in nature, but getting away from that workplace, that's what's rejuvenating. Um, So really planning and the intention and planning to do that um, is key. And then, of course, like anything, the more prepared you are, the more you kind of tie up loose ends. Um, if you're doing a longer vacation, talk to your colleagues, talk to your boss, um, and then have a plan for when you come back um, so that you're not overwhelmed. All of those things will certainly help. Mm. You make me want to go take a vacation right now. <laughs> Great. That's I'm, the point. I'm doing it. Dr. Shimmy Kang, thank you so much. And uh, good luck with the book uh, as well. Um, that's coming out, self, The Self-Motivated Kid, How to Raise a Child Who Knows What They Want and Goes After It, without being told, by the way. Uh, great stuff. Um, go to her website, Dr. Shimmy Kang, S-H-I-M-I-K-A-N-G dot com for more ideas and information. We really, we got to take it and unplug, disconnect, be intentional, get a life. Come on. Fun stuff. We'll take a break, folks. We'll be right back. Uh, Take our own little vacation by going to visit the guys down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Give me a break. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies down there at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, John. Oh, man. emphatic every time. How are you? I'm glad to be back. Neat. Where were you? None of your business. Spencer Gerard Linton. Where were you? <laughs> Gerard. Yeah, why the Gerard? I don't know. I made that up. It's Kent. Is it Kent? Yeah. I may or may not have gone to Seven Peaks. 
with the family. Oh. One of the days, a little water park action. Excellent. You know. That's great. Most Everybody this, healthy? Most of the time is convincing my three-year-old that he's not going to die if he goes down a water slide. <laughs> You're fine. Just go, follow daddy. Yeah, my two-year-old's a wimp. Well, they're young guys. She doesn't do anything. Wait till they're older, and then they do dumb things. Then you then, <laughs> then you don't want them. Then you're like, them to be scared. Of the I'd water give slide anything again? to have my kids afraid of something. <laughs> they're just like, can I jump in this? Uh, no, son, it's a gravel pit. <laughs> nope, just stay on your no. feet. Hey, guess what today is? By the way, you, you should know, know from our introduction. Kit Kat day, something not even close. Sports. Uh, milk chocolate day. No chocolate day. Milk chocolate day. Oh, milk. Chocolate Not chocolate day. milk day. That's another day. Milk chocolate day. Wow. Happy what do you mil- do on milk chocolate day? You Besides rub chocolate, chocolate yeah, and you, you eat milk chocolate and you rub it hey, on your I've face. I've got some brownies in my office, Matt. Mm. Made from scratch. Mm. Rich chocolate mm. brownies. Compelling and rich. Hey, uh, my you, office happens to be open right now too. Is so it really? If you and Terry want to go over yeah. to the BYU why are you, te- why are you telling all of BYU broadcasting? Just go into Can I go office? through your I'm not drawers? All of BYU broadcasting. I am telling Matt no, Townsend well now they know and the his producer open. Terry that they can go and get a brownie in my office. Lauren Frankham, protect our office. <laughs> if everybody else chooses to go in and steal <laughs> then thievery, yeah, then yeah. that's up to them. I got to text somebody to lock our door. Oh boy. Jerem, you don't trust. You got a trust issue, Jerem. Yeah, Let's work I, on I that. I really do because someone went in and tweeted on my account one time in my office. I was like, "That's Did messed up, man." You know what? I'm sorry. And I, found out I who thought it was, it was and funny. Had a convo and we took oh. care of it. Oh, hey, uh, did you guys hear the good news? Nope. Uh, a, an inmate at uh, Tecumseh State Prison in Nebraska. Uh, he wants a new name. Okay, his his name is Terrence Moore. But he filed a formal request, and he wants his name changed to Supreme Infinite Knowledge, a.k.a. SICK, S-I-K. <laughs> a.k.a. Meta World Peace, a.k.a. Ron Artes. So that's his new name. He wants to be called, and the reason for the change, he says, is religion. Being a Muslim and practicing Islam has taught me peace. A new name and a new attitude is what he wants. He wants to be called SICK. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sick with it. I don't think he thought that one through. Uh, Jesse Morgenstern, by the way, another guy in prison, uh, said he wants to change his name to Jason Bourne mm-hmm. after the action hero played by Matt Damon. Yep. Because everybody, nobody can spell can spell the name Morgenstern. So Jason Bourne, much easier. Yeah. So I want to know what name would you guys go by when you go to prison and have to change your name? My mom told me that when I was like four. Mm-hmm. I kept telling her, my name needs to be Jason because that name is cool and Spencer is not cool. So it would probably have to be Jason something. Jason. Jason. Like, I don't want to go Jason Bourne because somebody else has already somebody's taken that. Somebody's taking that. Yeah. Jason. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you need a well, better there are some. There are some cool Jasons. Jason Bourne, Jason Statham. Ooh. Like action hero guys. Action hero. Jason be... Voorhees. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Jason Voorhees? I don't know. Terry just whispered in my ear. Someone from high school or something. Uh, Jerem, what name would you go by? I would go with uh, Chris Fuamatu Malafala. Wow. Yeah. That's a great, That's a, and that's a tribute to Chris. That's the name of a Utah running back. Yeah, a Utah yeah. running back in the 90s. I would go by Thunder. <laughs> Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just think that's cool. <laughs> How about just the great one? I've always admired Wayne Gretzky's nickname. The oh, great one. That one. Yeah, you got to be one. the great one. I'd like to be called the great one. You can't be self-imposed, the great one. Come on. <laughs> hey, he's asking what you'd be called. I, yeah. yeah, call me the great one, please. You're, that's a target. You don't want a target if you're going to prison, man. 
No, that's a great Actually, point. I'd like to talk to the great one, please. Uh, Chris <laughs> Fua Matumada Balafala made a great point right there. <laughs> Is that that's like good job, uh, Chris? Brian Regan's joke about manslaughter. No. <laughs> What's that? You Are you going to do, do a little Brian is, Reagan stick for fantastic. us? It's something like, you know, you go to prison and they're like, what are you in here for? Oh, I jaywalked. <laughs> and one guy's like, I committed manslaughter! <laughs> that phrase is just so crazy compared to all the other potential crime name, the names oh of crimes, goodness. right? Yeah. Manslaughter. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I, it's a violent phrase. His prison jokes are really funny. You know what? Nobody does better prison jokes than Brian Reagan. <laughs> he well, really also, carved also, out a niche. <laughs> also, the one that's a true story when he's watching the news and he's like, uh, the law officials have... Uh, sought after the whatever the murder of Brian Regan, and he's like, <laughs> he's "Wait, like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, did we that. pay that old bill?" <laughs> That's fine. Hey, I by the way, I know who Jerem you should be named after. Hmm. Leroy Jenkins. Oh, that would you should that be, would be Leroy. Awesome. You are Leroy. I'm not Leroy. Hey, did you tell Spencer who I think you guys remind me of? No. Okay, Spencer, you watch Parks and Recreation? Uh, yeah. Okay, you remind me of Tom Tom Havelford. <laughs> Is that his name? And okay. and Jerem reminds me of Tom's friend. What's his name, Jerem? Um, the sl- the smooth, slick guy that is yeah, always yeah. like I'm singing dr- songs. Oh yeah, I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, that's you. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look. You guys are now. suave and just you yeah, just got. I it. need to see a scene. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll bring you one when I take. John some- Ralphio. John Raphael, yeah. yeah. Why am I? Why am I tall? Just because you're hip, you're slick, you look good. <laughs> you're always well dressed. Really tan. You're taller than five five though. You look great. You smell <laughs> he good. He doesn't out of his nose. Like, he, like mo- he, he moisturizes. Yeah, like yeah. It's yeah. all good. Hey, uh, you guys doing that thing today? At uh, the thing at uh, twelve. Well, do you Eastern? remember what we discussed yesterday? Yeah, yeah. We do it every time Jerem's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Spencer's here today. But it's in question. Yeah. Oh, it's in question because I'm here today? Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, are we going to well, do the apparently. show still? Listen, Jerem has thrown me under the bus apparently like 17 <laughs> times in the three days that I've been off. 13. <laughs> 13. But who's counting? I think somebody's threatened <gasps> by Tom Halverford. We need, exactly. Johnny, John, whatever his name is. Hey, we I need to take Tom Haverford. Haverford, yeah. We need, a, uh, we need an update on what's coming up on your show. I mean, if you are doing it today. Okay. Let's just say it's Let's July twenty eighth before we talk about what, what it's milk chocolate day. Show. So Jeremy and I had an interesting conversation the other day. We about, always do. Like BYU's greatest wins, by the way, that teams finish ranked. And then there was this poll released by ESPN Stats and Info recently, uh, specifically about the Pac twelve South. Hmm. Um, and that that division features USC and UCLA, yeah. and Arizona and Arizona State. Really solid division. UCLA, BYU's Week 3 opponent, is picked to win that division. Ooh. So we were like, hmm, what what opponent will finish the season ranked the highest? What if BYU beats that opponent? Who knows? Yes. What if BYU beats UCLA and finishes higher? They finish the season ranked the highest? I don't think that's going to happen. Come on. But which BYU opponent will finish the 2015 season ranked the highest? Uh, we had a guest on talking about calling talking smack earlier about BYU Michigan game. Really, okay. mm-hmm. really, the Michigan dude. Mm-hmm. 
You should talk to him about what that program has done recently. They're threatened <laughs> then. That's what that means. He, he actually is from L.A. and, and uh, maybe is in, he must be into football because he like, says, hey, yeah, we're playing you guys. We are playing you guys. Yeah. <laughs> he's, Me he's, and he's my a spokesperson versus for the you team. two in that studio. <laughs> he's a, yeah. By the way, BYU played three teams that finished in the top 16 last year. Wow. Mm. And that's not including Nebraska and Michigan. They're going to have a good year. They being Brigham? Yeah, I can feel it. It's the hope, right? I've already got that pain in my knee. got a good team. Whenever I have the pain in my knee, uh, usually that means BYU's going to have a great year. You're like a dog when a storm comes. Uh Uh-huh. You like sense the... Exactly. Are you buying into the three-headed monster argument, Matt? Are you buying into the hype of the three-headed monster, Taysom Hill, Mitch Matthews, Jamal? Yes, I think offensively we're going to rock. Okay. And defensively we'll rock because Bronco's back. Well, that's Thus, the hope. We will have, and so let's just call Bronco the one headed monster. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise known as just a the, monster. The blonde headed monster. Blonde, the blonde monster. Blondie. And he's going to kill it, and then it, we're back. We're back. You know, I, I'm not a sports commentator, but I would just say, she goes all the way! <laughs> That's how easy it is. You can do play-by-play. See that? Did you or see how say, deep I dug goes! for that? <laughs> it's out of here! Yeah. All of a, all I of pulled a sudden, something on that All of a sudden, you sound like you've been uh, <laughs> throwing back a few, you know, for you. Yeah. No, I just had a few. You've been I, a chain smoker for 10 years. <laughs> she goes all the way! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not doing any more play-by-play. <laughs> that was awesome. No, no, I'm done. I'm done with that. That was awesome. You guys are going to have a great show. We're excited. You it's always going to be high energy. Good we to need, have you back. Speaking of good play-by-play, we're going to send you a clip of what's called the Kick Six. <laughs> okay. Auburn, you Alabama. You okay. need to listen okay. to Auburn send it. Auburn Send it. I, I watch I'm everything you send me. the game! It's, it's so awesome. <laughs> we got to send it to you. It, it, it just beat out the McMahon Hail Mary in the NFL.com's greatest plays in college football history. The Final Four. That, that Hail Mary awesome. made it to the Final Four. Lost to the Kick Six. I'll, I'll, send, okay. I'll email send you Send it to me. And then we'll do a little play-by-play tomorrow. It's <laughs> fantastic. Have a great show, gentlemen. Thanks, sir. Keep keep strong. Remember who you are. Okay. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Those are good guys. I don't care what they say in the break room. They're good people. I'm going to go get myself some brownies in a minute. Hey, we always like to end on a hero story. And what a better story than a story that involves firefighters. After responding to two separate calls, these firefighters, they were at the grocery store uh, in Bolingbrook, Illinois. They had a hard time accomplishing their task of grocery shopping because every time they'd get their cart full, they'd get a call and they'd have to leave. So they'd have to leave it and they'd come back and have to redo their cart and go find everything again. And did it, they did it over and over and over. After two times, they, um, they finally make it, made it back. They were exhausted. They were tired. And when they got back to the store, somebody had taken their cart and paid for everything that was in it and left a little note that just said, it was my pleasure to pick up your grocery tab today and express thanks to the local firemen. How cool is that? The local union posted the picture of, uh, on their Facebook page saying, it's not only surprising and humbling, but the fact that someone took their hard-earned money and spent it on us is inspiring. It's just a testament to the great people in our community that we have the privilege to serve. Really good stuff. Uh, when you have heroes and communities that are coming together, folks, that is, uh, that's the hero of the day for the Matt Townsend Show. We all can be that kind of hero. We're going to take uh, – we're out of here. We're done. Man, the show just flew by. But go be someone's hero. Live up to your great potential. Look after the ones you love, my friends. And um, until tomorrow, make it a great one. Take care.